And praying the will of God involves us living obediently to the will of God. It's about a lifestyle as well. It's about allowing the Word of God to saturate our hearts and our minds and we are in tune with God, what God is doing in our lives and our families and in our churches. And, and when we pray, we're praying. We're, look, we're in the zone. We're in the stream of things as the Spirit of God is leading us and teaching us. Prayer is vitally important to the life of every believer. In today's sermon podcast, Pastor Lee shares that there is a right way to pray and a wrong way to pray, that there are literally things in our lives that hinder our prayers. We must identify these hindrances and deal rightly with them so that we can be men and women of God whose prayers are powerful in their effect. Listen prayerfully to the Word of God speak as Pastor Lee shares a message entitled, Hindrances to Prayer. So if you have your Bible there, in front of you, James chapter 5 and verse 16, the Bible says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect effect. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word and our time of worship, and we pray now that you would find our hearts to be receptive, our minds to be open, and uh, Lord, we just ask you to, to teach us, to guide us into all truth, to speak to our hearts in these moments. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So what I'm going to do today is jump around the book of James just a little bit. Uh, the, the book of James was written by the half-brother of Jesus, pastor of Jerusalem. And um, he is writing, uh, if you read the first verse, uh, to Jewish Christians who have been dispersed by persecution. The book of James is one of the most practical books in all of the Bible. And, uh, and so what we're going to do, though, is focus today on some places in James where he talks about prayer. And, and so we'll jump around just a little bit, but I wanted to, you to know kind of where we're headed with this and, uh, and what that looks like. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you believe that God answers prayer? Do you believe that prayer works? Now, you might think, well, that's kind of a rhetorical question, right, for this group or for the church. Uh, that really is, uh, it kind of answers itself, and uh, I expected no less than to get a resounding yes from this crowd. But let's take just a moment and question our belief in prayer. Why are we so quick to say that we believe God answers prayer? Why, why are we so quick to say that we believe that prayer works? Are we saying that because it's the right answer? It's the, it's the answer we find in the Scripture. Or is it because we can personally testify to how God answers prayer from our own lives? Are we saying that we believe that prayer works because we've experienced it? Or is it more of kind of wishful thinking on the part of the church? Are we simply hoping in prayer 
that somehow if we are lucky, that God might hear us, and if we're really lucky, He might even smile down on us a little bit. Now, wherever you might find yourself uh, in some of those things and thinking about prayer this morning, the good news is that we can be absolutely certain that God answers prayer because He has told us so in His Word. Uh, in fact, the first verse that we have read helps us to understand that. In fact, verse 16 is couched in uh, a passage where it's talking about praying for the sick and healing. It goes on to give Elijah as an example, and he prayed for it to rain. It rained. He prayed for it not to rain. It didn't rain. There's examples, and, and then we hear that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11, we also find another passage that, that verifies this, that helps us to know for certain that God answers prayer. The very first part of it, ask and it will be given to you. Now there's, there's more that, that needs to be unpacked in terms of context there, but at the very minimum, at the bare minimum, we, we hear the Word of God saying God, that He answers. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asks from, uh, him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven Give good things to those who what? Who ask. Hmm. So if the Bible assures us that God answers prayer, and we fully believe that God answers prayer, shouldn't that greatly impact the way that we pray? It certainly makes me want to pray more, and it makes me want to pray better. Now, praying more is the subject for another day. Praying better is our subject for this morning. We are focusing on how to pray and learning what some of the hindrances to prayer might be. And, uh, and we get better at praying by by understanding that there's more to learn. Remember in Luke chapter 11 where the disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray as John has taught his disciples to pray. Teach us to pray is, is the, it should be a heart cry of ours on a regular basis. Lord, continue to help me understand how to pray, how to commune with you, how to talk with you, how to walk with you. Teach us to Pray. The Bible teaches that there is a right way to pray and a wrong way to pray. See, I think in many circles, we've grown up hearing bits and pieces of things about prayer, and we've kind of, we've kind of uh, acted like it was something that uh, didn't need a lot of thought and attention 
And so we just kind of toss up a prayer here and there and on the way. But the reality is, Scripture helps us understand there's a right way to pray and a wrong way to pray. And the first thing I want us to see here in this text that we would call a hindrance. The first hindrance to prayer is actually in James chapter 4 and verse 2. James chapter 4 and verse 2, here's what the Bible says. You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. The first hindrance is prayerlessness. Prayerlessness. Now, as James is writing to these Christians who've been dispersed by persecution, they are kind of in chaos. They're, they're spread out. You know, like the other letters in the Bible, they're written to a group of people in a city. This one is different. These people are spread out, and so he is helping them with some very key principles on how to continue to live as Christians uh, in that kind of situation, that kind of chaos. There's a lot going on with them. But as he's telling, his, as he's kind of calling them out on some things, he, he even says, you do not have because you do not ask. Now, this verse helps us to know that sometimes prayer is not working because we are not doing it. That, that's what it's teaching us. We are not making our request known to God. Sometimes nothing is happening in our lives, and nothing is happening in our families, and nothing is happening in our churches because we're not praying, because we're not asking. Listen again. It's, it's, a, it's one of those, I love sometimes how Scripture is just so obvious, it doesn't need all that much explanation. You do not have because you do not ask. Now, here, here's what I love about this verse. It teaches us that things turn out differently when we pray than when we don't. That God, listen carefully, will do some things whether we pray or not, but there are some things He will do only if we pray. Now that, that sheds a whole new light on this idea of prayer and being able to commune with God, walk with God, and see Him work powerfully in our lives. You see, whether positive or negative, the circumstances in our lives, in our families, in our churches, they are directly related to the practice of prayer or the lack thereof. This should bring us to the point of kind of asking, well, how much am I missing out in my life? How much are you and I missing out in our lives, with our families, in our churches, by not praying, by not asking? It is true that prayer changes things. That's a true statement to make. And sometimes the things that prayer changes the most are our own hearts, our own minds, and our own attitudes. 
Prayer is a Christ-centered spiritual activity that, as the book of James tells us, is very powerful in its effect. Does that describe your prayer life? Does that describe my prayer life? The fact that God knows our every need. You say, well, God knows everything. But the fact that God knows our every need does not negate the command in Scripture to pray and to ask. Jesus even told His disciples, pray like this. Give us this day our daily bread. Here again is the truth of this verse. There are some things God will do whether we pray or not, and there are other things God will only do when we pray. Only when we ask will we receive. Only when we seek will we find. Only when we knock will the door be open to us. Charles Spurgeon, many of you know that name, said, Prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscles of omnipotence. The greatest prayer, I mean the greatest hindrance to prayer and to seeing God work in our lives is very simply just not doing it. Prayerlessness. But then secondly, in verse 3, one more verse down, we learn that another hindrance is to pray with wrong motives. It says, in verse 3, you ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. So the greatest mistake we can make in prayer is not to pray. The second greatest mistake is to pray unwisely with the wrong motives. Now, now maybe at this point you're thinking to yourself, I've been praying. I've been asking. I've been seeking. I've been knocking. Well, so had some of the people that James was addressing. Did you notice what this verse says? It says, you ask. So first he says, some of you are not, not praying. And then he says, some of you are. You ask and don't receive. I wonder how many times in life we found ourselves in this position. Asking, but not receiving. Why does the Bible say those praying did not receive what they were asking for? It says that they did not receive what they were asking for because, of, because they were praying with wrong motives. Sometimes motives are hard to judge. It's hard to even judge our own motives at times. How do we know if we are praying with the right motives? Well, look back at this verse again. It, it indicates that if we are asking in order to satisfy our selfish desires, our selfishness, then our motives are impure. It says, so that you may spend them. You're asking so that you may spend them on your pleasures. One of the common misunderstandings of the nature and work of prayer is that it is something that we do to get God to accomplish something for us. It's, it's something that we do to get Him to work on our behalf 
and to join in on our plans for our lives. That's oftentimes how we, how we think about talking to God. We just need, if we were honest, we just need God to bless all that we are doing and walk closely beside us and making sure that we stay safe, that we remain safe, and that we are healthy, wealthy, and wise. And before you know it, our attitude is more like this. Boy, it sure is good to have God on our side. We don't have a side. God is not on your side. You are either on His side or not. And if you are on His side, then let me tell you something. He is for you. But that's a different way of thinking than, than us kind of walking through life as if He is a lucky charm right? That things are going to work out for me because I go to church, or things are going to work out for me because I, I know some of the Bible, or you see, when I got saved, God didn't join Team Merck. That's not how that works. He saved me from the penalty of sin. He, he saved me from my own sins, and now that I'm covered by the blood of the Son of God, I live by faith the life that He has set before me. You see, in prayer, the question is not so much, what do we want? In prayer, the question is much more, what do you want, God? What do, you, what do you want? So instead of informing Him of all that we need for our plans in our life, we may ought to listen and say, God, tell us what your plan is and how you want us to proceed. There's an instance of a, kind of a prayer in the Bible when... Um, this mother came to Jesus, Matthew chapter 20, if you want to jot it down. And um, she came with a request. And uh, here's what Matthew chapter 20, verse 21 says. What do you want? He asked her. This is Jesus talking to the mother. She said, promise, let me, let me read it. Promise, she said to him, that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your kingdom. Now, she had the best of intentions. What mother, what father does not want the best for their children? I don't, I mean, if you're honest, you would say, I'd love for my children to sit on the right hand and the left hand of the Savior in heaven, right? That doesn't sound all that bad. By this time, Peter had put his foot in his mouth 
And these other two disciples, these other two apostles saw an opportunity and their mother saw another opportunity and said, let's go and let's see if we can, let's see if we can get in there. Let's see if we can, let's see if we can be the number one disciple. And of course, Jesus does not grant her request. Even begins to talk to them about what kind of suffering would, would that would require to be able to sit on the right hand and left hand. Now, now, yes, it, it, the, the end result might be something that seems good, but her motives were not pure. And she didn't get what she asked for. There's other examples of that all throughout scriptures. Our prayers can be sincere and at the same time be wrongly motivated. And this hinders our prayers causing us, what this says, causing us not to receive the things that we are asking for. And then the, the last thing here, and by the way, I had to cut this sermon pretty short because I, I came up with 10 of these, and so you'll be getting more along the way, but we're just doing three this morning. Everybody said? Thank you very much. The, the, the last one that we're looking at this morning is Lack of surrender to the will of God. Now, this is found actually in the same verse, verse 3. And here's how that works. The hindrance, this, this particular hindrance, the lack of surrender to the will of God, overlaps with the idea of praying with the wrong motives. You see, when we pray with the wrong motives, we are not praying according to the will of God. Now, one of the more well-known passages that talk to us about praying the will of God is in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14 and 15. It says, This is the confidence we have before Him. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked for or ask of Him. That's a powerful verse of Scripture. It says, as believers, we can have confidence. In what? We can have confidence that He hears us and that we have what we've asked for. Now, how can we be confident that we will have what we ask for? Because what we've asked for is in accordance with His will. If it's not in accordance with His will, and if it's the wrong, ask with the wrong motives, you can't have that confidence. But you can have confidence that if you're praying according to the will of God, that you will see Him answer that prayer. That's what John is teaching us. You remember, and we're going to have the Lord's Supper here in just a moment, but do you, you remember in the Scriptures when the night before Jesus, or the night Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, and He is bowing there in the garden, praying. And as he prays, he says, Father, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, your will be done. So Jesus Christ, the Son of God, facing crucifixion, facing punishment and death uh, because of our sins, prays three times. Says, let this cup pass for me, from me. Nevertheless, your will be done. 
So there's a, there's a very important word for us to remember when we are desiring to pray in accordance with the will of God. And here's the word. Nevertheless. Same word Jesus used. Because of our selfish desires, because we are human, we're going to ask for things, we're going to want things, we're going to move along through our life expecting different things, and yet if we're walking with the Lord and we earnestly seek to know and do His will, we believe that it's better for us to do His will than for us to do our own. We come to that crossroads in our prayer life where we say, this God, this God, but nevertheless, your will be done. Surrendering completely to the Father and doing His will is the cost of discipleship. And therefore, it is to be reflected in the disciples' prayer life. In other words, prayer works in conjunction with the will of God. When we are praying what I call nevertheless prayers, the Holy Spirit is transforming our hearts and minds. This kind of praying is conforming us to the image of Christ and making His desires our desires. Sometimes there's a lot of wrestling that goes on in prayer, and there's a lot of conformity to the will of God. There's a lot of sanctification taking place. There's a lot of molding into the image of God through the process of prayer. But let's be honest. Sometimes it takes longer to get there than others, doesn't it? Sometimes it, it's hard for us to let go of those hopes and dreams. Those things that we wanted that we thought would be ours. And God is obviously leading in a different direction. It's difficult. But surrender to the will of God that doesn't sound like something that should be an easy process, does it? And so, one way for us to ensure that we are praying according to the will of God is to pray Scripture. Pray what? So, so there are commands in the Bible about what to pray. And then pray what some of the saints in the Bible were praying. But just praying Scripture. Praying Scripture keeps us focused on the will of God, the Word of God. It keeps us faithful to the Word of God, the will of God. It provides content for our prayers. Listen to this. When you pray Scripture, it provides content for your prayers that would not normally be there. Content that is God breathed according to 2 Timothy 3.16. Well, that's, a better, that's better content than I could come up with. And you can't pray Scripture rightly without praying the will of God. And praying the will of God involves us living obediently to the will of God. It's about a lifestyle as well. It's about allowing the Word of God to saturate our hearts and our minds, and we are in tune with God, what God is doing in our lives, in our families, and in our churches. And, and when we pray, we're pray we're, look, we're in the zone. We're in the stream of things. As the Spirit of God is leading us 
and teaching us. Our prayers are hindered by prayerlessness, wrong motives, and lack of surrender to the will of God. I've got some bad news for you. There's more to come. More things that the Bible tells us that are a hindrance to our prayer life. But for today, we're going to stop right there. We're going to just kind of come to the end of our time by asking each other, are we struggling with any of these things? Right? Doesn't do us any good to hear the truth of the Word of God and, and be confronted by the Word of God and not admit that maybe, God, I'm not praying. I'm guilty of prayerlessness. I pray over my meals. I say a short prayer in the morning. But there's nothing real intentional about my prayer life other than just the normal times that I've been taught to pray. Or maybe you've been praying with the wrong motives. Or maybe you've actually uh, been living one way and asking for something different. That's not praying according to the will of God. Right? You, you're living in, in one particular way that is wrong and disobedience, and yet you just can't figure out why God's not answering your prayers. Maybe this morning those are some things that you might be wrestling with, but as you're thinking about that, here's how I want to close. I want to close by reminding you that it is Jesus Christ who has made prayer possible. We don't, we don't have the ability to come into God's holy presence and speak with Him apart from the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. We, we are told that He is the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him, through Jesus. You see, we cannot be saved and become a child of God without Jesus. But we also cannot pray without Jesus. You see, the work that He did on the cross enabled us to have access to God. The book of Hebrews really speaks to this idea, and I want to share just a couple of verses. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, it says, Therefore He is able to save completely those who come to God through Him, since He always lives to what? Intercede for them. For this is the kind of high priest we need, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Jesus Christ is exalted above the heavens. He is our high priest. He is interceding for us. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 24. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with hands. This is kind of a reference back to the temple and the Holy of Holies where the priest, high priest used to have to go in and make sacrifices for the people. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with hands. Only a model of the true one, listen, but into heaven itself, so that he might now appear in the presence of God for us. You see, prayer enters where God dwells. 
only because Jesus, our high priest, can enter where God dwells and stand on our behalf. Prayer is possible only because of the sacrificial substitutionary death of Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 20, it says, He has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain. That is, that's a reference to the curtain in the temple the day Jesus died. Through the curtain, that is, through His flesh. The only way any of us will ever get to come to God is on the basis of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, is through His Son, Jesus. And it does us good to remember that when we're talking about prayer and having access to God, that's not happening without Jesus. Jesus Himself is the one who intercedes, mediates, he, pray, he stands pleading on our behalf, according to what the Bible says. He is our high priest. He's always interceding on our behalf. He has made peace with God for those of us who have believed on His name and by the shedding of His blood. And now, according to what Scripture says, we can pray. And we can pray confidently. Thank you for listening to The Word of God Speak, the sermon podcast of Pastor Lee Merck. We hope that you were blessed by today's episode.